Howdy folks and welcome to another exciting episode of Nostalgic with me, Luke, your host, the Ginger Bookworm. I uh, hope you're doing well today, I hope you're feeling good. Uh, this is our ninth episode, one away from ten. I, I, well, I was going to say I don't know what I'm going to do for my tenth, but that's a lie. I know what I'm going to do for my tenth uh, episode and I'm quite excited and I think people are going to enjoy. It's one that a few people have been asking me to do for a long while, actually, since I began, uh, but I've been holding it off, holding it off, holding it off for that special moment. I think the 10th episode is perfect for that. Um, so I look forward to that next week. Um, also, I want to say thank you before we begin to everybody who listened to the Amelie and Me episode and everybody who listened to the side quest, uh, the World War Hulk um, short yeah, side quest short review. I uh, hope people enjoyed them. I hope people liked them. I got a lot of support and a lot of love off a lot of um, comic podcasts and uh, uh, comic uh, supporters, lovers, you know, uh, Twitter accounts on Twitter. So I want to say thank you to all those folks that, you know, retweeted it and shared it and that it really, really helped. And I hope people enjoyed it. Like I said, it's kind of difficult to review a graphic novel. Uh, because I can talk about the story all day long and the deeper meanings and all that, but when it talks about the visuals, it's kind of difficult. Uh, I'm not an artist, so I don't know how to best articulate my words to explain to you as to what's actually going on on the page, apart from, oh, big scary monster, rah, you know? So I can't really do much more than just that, you know? So uh, it was, I don't think it was a bad idea, but, you know, it is what it is. But anyway... That's not the point. I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, listened to prior episodes. Now, moving on. Today's episode is going to be a good one, going to be an excited one. Uh, this is another one that has been asked um, by a few people for me to do. And I figured, why not um, give a crack out of it? Uh, it's, it's not as much research went into this one, I'll be honest, as the... Uh, the Amelie and Me one, because this one I have... I've had a lot more experience uh, within with it than i have with amelie um but this one was a, a bit of a loved one i enjoyed doing this one this was uh really nice going back um so today's episode today's topic uh moving on uh it's going to be about the disc world uh terry pratchett's disc world uh specifically the beginner's guide uh reason being is because i i know myself i had this struggle when i first started getting into terry pratchett's books and now i'm pretty far in i think i'm at the 25th book out of, I would say, 41 books in total, I think uh, Terry Pratchett has, not including uh, the lot of short stories that he did, as well as the other books he did that weren't part of the Discworld. Um, I know when I began, I didn't know where to, where to start, and for a long time I put it off because I just, I didn't, I wasn't sure as to the beginnings, really, about, you know, where to begin and where not to begin. Um, so I figured that I would give this uh, podcast episode today a kind of a beginner's guide, tell you where to begin, tell you the ins and outs, what to expect, what to enjoy, uh, because the Discord is an amazing um, world, really. It's one of my favourite places to visit. You know, whenever anybody asks me of like any literature world that you'd like to go, it's up there. It's it's at number one. I'd like to go to the Discworld. I'd like to go to Art Morpork which is a city inside um, the Discworld, which is one of the biggest cities inside this, uh, this world. One that well. well, is it the big city? Yeah, I'd say it's one of the biggest, probably not the biggest, probably Uberworld might be a bit bigger, or Clatch. 
I'm I'm I'm, put, I'm saying names now, and probably most people listen to this, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. There's cities in in the disc world. Um, best way to explain the disc world to you for any beginner. The disc world is exactly what it sounds like. It's a giant disc, uh, which are being held, which is being held up by four elephants that are standing on top of a giant turtle, Artuin, and Artuin is flying through the vastness of. I'm not sure if it's space or the universe. Uh, I'm I'm sure that one of the books explained it, but he's flying through this vast void of darkness. This big Artuin, the uh, turtle, uh, with the elephants standing on top of its shell and on top of the elephants is the disc world where all of um all of the characters of this world live uh, so that's the basic premise of it you know it's it's high fantasy but it's it's not high fantasy you know it, it's very much um it's very british but i'll get onto that and explain that um as we uh, as we go on um but yeah, the disc world is a is a fantastic world like i say it's one of those that i will always choose to go to you know and number 2 is narnia you know, if I ever get the chance to go to um, Narnia during Christmas time, would be fantastic, would be enjoyable. And uh, the third place I'd like to go, I'd like to travel with um, Arthur Dent and Ford uh, Beetlebox to, in the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy universe. I'd like to go travel with him and his, like, you know, traveling the universe, going to see all the mad, crazy um, creatures of the universe. I would even be happy to listen to a Vogan uh, Vogon do uh, poetry. I'd be happy for that, even though it's one of the worst things ever. It'd be nice to experience it to say that my ears started to bleed and my eyes started to water, but it was worth it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so this is what this topic is today. We're going to go talking into the beginner's guide of Terry Pratchett's The Discworld, where to begin, where to start, what characters, what to expect, all that jazz, all the fun things that come into the Discworld and my experiences with it. And um, yeah, so. Strap in, uh, get some hot chocolate, a nice uh, warm drink, and uh, yeah, let's have fun. Let's drop into the Discord, shall we? So, the Discord began, the, the Discord started in 1983 with the first book, The Colour of Magic, which followed uh, Rincewind, the wizard, which we'll talk about him uh, later on in his own section, but it started off with, in 1983 with Rincewind, and since then it's it's gone on and evolved and changed, and the Discworld has just grew into something that, if when you start reading it, especially if you're English, especially if you're British, will just feel real. One of the things that I love so much about the Discworld, and what I love so much about Terry Pratchett uh, himself, himself, and I love about his writing. Uh, is that he has a way to explain and describe his wo- his worlds and his characters in such a way that they feel real, that they feel lived in, that they feel... Um, every- <laughs> Best way to explain it, you feel like you know the characters. Like I said, especially if you're British, if you, if you live in the UK, you've met somebody like one of the characters. You've met somebody like this. You've met someone like that. Like... I would say the names of the characters, but you won't know who I'm talking about because, again, this is the beginner's guide. But you will be able to relate to certain characters and be like, oh, I know a character like that. I know somebody who acts like that. I know somebody who talks like that. You know, we all have somebody in our lives that could potentially be like said character that we see. Like, especially if you're British, you will know somebody like this. As well as the world itself, the world just feels lived in one of the things that terry pratchett does and one of the biggest uh, one of the things that i love is that 
somebody asked him what's the best way to start writing what's the best way to make characters so believable and so enjoyable and what what he said was basically just get some characters you don't need names you don't need a plot just get some people and get them talking to each other see how they interact that's the best sort of idea of how you can have the best foot footing to start writing a story and it's what i do whenever i go into writing it's one of the biggest advice that i use in my writing is that if i ever think of a character and i can't think of a name or i don't know how they're going to act if if i just know that i want a character for this scene i will just go off and i will just write a short thing of like okay so i've got my main character i know who that is i want them to have a conversation with this new character i'm not who this sure who this new character is so I'm just going to get them talking to each other and see how it goes. Uh, is is he going to be a man or is he going to be a woman? Is he going to be aggressive? Is he going to be humble? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to be sad? You know, how each how they talk to each other will then go from the fact of I know how the character is. I know who the character is. I know how they feel in this in this moment. And then once I get a feel for that, I will then bring that character and all their characteristics back into the story. And then I just keep on with the story at hand. And I think that's the best sort of idea to explain the characters of the Discworld um, is the fact of they just feel real because they have human conversations. They don't have big grand sort of conversations that are just really high fantasy. And, you know, a lot of it is fantasy speak or gibberish. It, it's generally like, like I said, it, the way they speak and the way that they talk, you know, somebody like that. You've probably met somebody like that. If you've gone down to a market or something, um, especially an old fashioned market, you're like, yeah, yeah, I've met a guy like that. I know, I know how that guy acts. I know how that guy behaves, how they speak. Uh, or yeah, my uncle or my dad or something like that. So you, we all know somebody and just because the characters feel real and because the characters feel real and lived in the disc world feels real and lived in, you know, whenever I listen to a disc world, whenever I read a disc world book or whenever I, listen to an, an audio uh, i just feel like i've been there i feel like i've visited this world and I'm, you could say that for a lot of books but for me personally it just feels real and that's what i love so much about this one that's why i protect the disc world so much is because the world is heavy because the 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 weight of the characters inside it and this is one of the reasons why books are so heavy and this is how i try to explain to children why books are so heavy is because books are heavy because of the worlds that are in them they hold huge universes inside of them they need to be heavy the heavier book the bigger the universe and the disc world books are not that big but if you put them all together and you put all the characters in and you just take the disc world for what it is it's a very heavy and dense world and again this is what brings the hardship of people trying to jump into the disc world um because of how dense it is there's so many different offshoots and series going into it this is why a lot of people get confused and like i said i got confused myself uh growing up uh when i eventually wanted to get into into reading i didn't know where to begin i knew who terry pratchett was growing up i enjoyed watching the um short tv one-off tv series that were done about death and that were done about like going postal i think that was like the late 2000s that was on like sky one I remember watching these shows and just enjoying them and loving the characters and loving the world. Um, but never knowing where to begin with Terry Pratchett, because whenever I go to the library, it'd be, oh, you, you've, you've got this book, and then you've got this book, but this book's part of this series. This book's part of that series. And I'm like, well, where do I begin? And then each every time, you know, you'd always be looked at, kind of be like, whoa, anywhere. And I'm like, yes, I know, but I want to begin at the beginning. And it is always be like, yeah, but there, there is no beginning, technically. 
And I'd be like, that, that's not helpful, you know. Um, and it wasn't until ooh, probably about 2014 when I really got into reading and about 2015 uh, when I went on to uh, Goodreads, uh, the app, and I, they gave you like, one of the things I love about Goodreads is that they'll give you in chronological order uh, where each book goes in the series so you know uh, which one to read to kind of keep, uh, kind of uh, where to go with the story. Um, and the first book you should begin with is Color of Magic. That's the first book in the Discworld series proper. Um, but one of the things I found with the Discworld and one of the biggest advice I will give you before we begin um, is that even though me personally, I would recommend to read the Discworld books in order, in order of publication. So you start with The Colour of Magic, then you go from The Light Fantastic, and then from there you work your way down to Equal Rights, which is one of the witches' books, and then you go to Mort, and then Sorcery, and the Weird Sisters, and Pyramids, and XYZ. You just move your way on like that. I would say download Goodreads and just follow the list on there. But one of the other things that I've found personally from reading the Discworld novels is that the way that they're written and the way the characters act and behave, you can virtually, and I understand now what the librarians meant whenever I would ask them and they'd give me that the answer that they did, uh, where you can jump in anywhere, is the fact of that's one of the beautiful things about the Discworld, is that, yes, you can read them chronologically from the beginning like I have and what as, as I currently am because I, even now I'm not finished with the whole series um, is that you can jump in anywhere and the reason is because as I said the characters don't mention anything prior you know they might be nods here and there for readers of like old readers that have read the series like following as publication like if you were born in the 80s and you grew up with terry pratchett's work um then for those sort of readers you know you'd have the small little references here and there but they're not in your face they're not like big things of like oh you needed to read this book to understand this there's none of that it's each story even in its own series is, is its own story you know, they have reference here and there, but they're usually small references and the references are usually jokes. They're never important, really big references. It's more just like, oh, you remember this? Oh, I remember this. You know, remember berries? Yeah, small little things. And this is one of the things I say for people, which I would say not just people, but to you folks now listening, is the fact that if you want to get into the disc world, you can start from the beginning. That's where me personally, I would recommend you start from the color of magic and you work your way up from there. But the beautiful thing about the Discworld is that you can start anywhere. The reason I'm reading chronologically is one, because I just like order. I like to start from the beginning and work my way up. Um, that's just, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I don't like, I, I don't want to suffer for FOMO, even though you don't really get FOMO because you can, can go anywhere. I'm so enamored and in love with the Discworld and Terry Pratchett's work that with each book, the world evolves characters change their opinions change their views change the world changes as Terry Pratchett grew older as he grew older and he grew more wiser his characters grew older and wiser his their their views were always the same but they changed because certain events in certain books you know happened and then their views would change and one of the things that I love I'm on the 25th book I'm currently listening to the fifth elephant which is part of the Guard series, the the Ankh Morpork City Watch. And 
even now I've followed them on and followed those characters, I've seen the evolution of how they've changed, how how Vimes, the captain of the watch, has gone from a captain to now a... I was going to say, he, he's a, not a politician, but he's become, he's part of the governance of it, even though he's still inherently, he's still, you know, a guard of the watch. He doesn't have to do it, but he's always a guard. He's always on, on guard, really. Uh, and then following Carrot, how Carrot just went from being a dwarf, a human that was raised by dwarfs, to a guard in the watch. And you just follow the evolution, how people just fall in love with Carrot. And it's the same with each sort of story. You know, Rincewind is a, is a coward, and he's always been a coward if you follow on with the story. But each time with the story, you just realise that Rincewind, uh, he he will even know he is a coward, he will hap- he will st- well, not happily, very much not happily, but he will still, if in need be, because he can't escape the the, the fact of he- heroism follows him everywhere. Everywhere he, he goes, heroics follow him, and he hates it. it but it's still just the fact of, you know, if he needs be, if he has to, if he can't escape, if he can't run away, he will try his best to, to save the day. Um, but he doesn't want to. He'd rather be much left alone and just, you know, him and his luggage be peaceful. Um, but he knows himself that his his life it doesn't follow that path. Um, but it's the same with each character. You follow the evolution, and I like following the evolution. I fo- I like seeing the characters evolve. I like seeing the world evolve. And one of my favourite um, series that I feel like doesn't get talked about a lot in the Disc World um, series, which we'll we'll touch on it as well in a minute, um, is the Industrial Revolution. With each, it's it's they're not they're, the industrial revolution books, as you would imagine, are uh, the industrial parts of of Art Mortport going from a very medieval sort of um, setting and now bringing on new inventions, new ideas, new concepts, technology, and as the industrial revolution goes on, Art Mortport turns from a sort of medieval sort of town that you see in the Call of Magic to when you get to where I am now with the um, fifth elephant where they've got moving pictures and which are you know as you would imagine we call them cinemas but they call them moving pictures and they've got speed cameras but it's not speed cameras that you would think it's really an imp that sits inside of a box with a giant well with a huge pen and um a piece a piece of canvas and any any cart that's seen speeding will uh paint the pictures of these carts speeding as well as their cart plates and then somebody every night will go off and collect the 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 artwork and then they will hand out fines and then they'll feed him and give him more paper and more pens and that's basically what the imp does and the imp is very happy happy to do that as long as he gets fed so it's very much like it's still medieval it's still fantasyful but we still have speed cameras you know what I mean? So the world evolves, the world changes. And granted, you could jump into the fifth elephant, which is where I am now, and just go in new and not know anything and still enjoy yourself. But this is why I say to start from the beginning, because if you, I feel me personally that if you want the full flavor, the full sort of essence of what Terry Pratchett was doing and what he was saying and what his world does and how his characters act and behave, if you want that pure sort of essence and understanding of, of everything... I would say start from the beginning. But like I said, I still hold true that if you don't have the time to start from the beginning, that you just want to jump in, then by all means, uh, jump in. And when I get into breaking down um, the series um, in a minute, uh, I will 
sort of tell you where to begin the first books in those series and how many books in those series. So if you ever wanted to say, oh, I don't want to read Rincewind, I want to go and read Death, well, you can read Death series and you can read those. So you can watch this, read The City Watch or The Witches or Tiffany Aikens. Uh, it's completely up to you what you do uh, and uh, where you go. It's one of the enjoyments of uh, this world and these characters. Now, before I move on, uh, I do want to mention Terry Pratchett himself. Uh, Terry Pratchett sadly passed away uh, on the 12th of March uh, 2015. Um, for me, it was a heartache. It's, even now, it kills me because um, I, I ummed an art for, for a long, long time, for years, if I was to ever start the Discworld. Uh, and I didn't know where to begin. I didn't know where to start. And by the time I started to get into the Discworld, um, just under, trying to understand it and not actually properly beginning, but properly trying to figure out where it is to begin. Um, sadly, he passed away. Um, so I could never really sort of get into them, enjoy them, and then potentially, hopefully, go and meet him. Uh, it still it still pains me today. Like, like I've mentioned before in, 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 other pod, in other podcast episodes, there are certain sort of people in, in the world that I still regret not getting the chance to meet, kind of like Robin Williams, Steve Irwin. Uh, Terry Pratchett is one of them as well. Uh, Heath Ledger, you know, people who are so incredibly talented and creative. But sadly, you know, they've gone before I was given the chance to meet. And Terry Pratchett is one of those. So I just wanted to sort of honour him and sort of have a little quick sort of moment of silence just to remember him and to remember his his legacy and his incredible his incredible world and uh, how that even though I'm still currently reading the disc world after I finish the disc world I will go on to the carpet people and all his other books um, and I'll basically read everything he's ever wrote so I just want to have a moment here of uh, silence to remember uh, Terry Pratchett so a little moment of silence okay then so Let's move on, shall we? So before we begin, I just wanted to say uh, my favourite book of the Discworld series is Small Gods. Uh, Small Gods, is, it's silly. It's incredibly silly. It's incredibly, um, it's incredibly Pratchett. It's, and the reason why I enjoy it and the reason why I, it's one of my favourites and it, what pains me, how it's not really brought up by many people. If you ask many people what their favourite Discworld book is, this one never seems to really get a shout. Um, but I will read the blurb of it and try to my best to explain afterwards as to why I enjoy it so much. So this is the blurb. Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's a miracle. Religion is a controversial business in the Discworld. Everyone has their own opinion, and indeed their own gods, who come in all shapes and sizes. In such a competitive environment, there is a pressing need to make one's presence felt, and it's certainly not remotely helpful to be reduced to be appearing in the form of a tortoise, a manifestation a manifestation far below godlike status in anyone's book. In such instances, you need an acolyte and fast, preferably one who won't ask too many questions. Now, I won't ruin the story of small gods, um, but it tackles with the idea of religion. It tackles the idea of belief and the idea of gods, because um, in the Discworld, there is gods, but they're not the gods that we know of. They're, they're, they're kind of like the Romans. There's a god for everything. There's a god for toilets. There's a god for the weather. There's a god for war. There's a god for uh, making sure that, you know, when you go out, that your hair looks nice. 
there is a there is a god for food there is a god for anything and anything you can imagine there is a god for it kind of like the romans you know there's a god for everything and they all have different names and all different popularities some people worship them so the more people that worship them the more powerful they are um but we have this one god who basically is the is the he's like the zeus of gods he's the be all and end all the alpha and omega but he get he gets struck down i know a god getting struck down it, it's 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 crazy he gets struck down he gets he gets stuck on the disc world and he's he's a tortoise and um while he's stuck down all the other gods try to fight for power and so as all the other gods try to fight for power they're talking to the acolytes they're talking to their believers and they're trying to basically persuade people of like you know you should believe in me more, but you know, because I will give you this and I will give you that. And then war started to break out. And then we've got our main character who uh, finds the turtle that becomes this new God's acolyte. And it's just a very sort of funny um, trek uh, through the desert as they try to go from city to city, try to explain to people like, this is the one, like, this is the God, the one true God. And, and people are like, no, he's not, he's a tortoise. You know what I mean? And he like, but like, he can talk, the tortoise can talk, but nobody can hear him apart from his acolyte, the, the guy that found him. He's, and he's trying to explain to him, we've like, explain to them that I'm the one true God. I am Um. I am Um the God. And they're all sort of looking at this guy, like this really scorny guy, like, no. So they all go to war over their gods. And it's a very satirical sort of uh, way of explaining that you know the idea of religion and how that some people take it too far and now that wars are fought over the smallest of things uh, one of the things that i love about terry pratchett uh, which i will touch on before we move on is um with his books terry pratchett had he's he's so he, he was so clever and so whimsical and so wise that he could spin a story and make it political without making it political you know one of his books equal rights is about you know women getting equal rights. How there was a, it, you have the wizards guild in the the disc world, and that the wizards could only be male, and that it has to be the seventh son of the seventh son of the seventh son, and if you and then that son can then go off to be to be a wizard, whereas in this situation, the seventh son the seventh son of the seventh son's daughter is the one. You know, this she becomes the seventh child, but it's not a son; it's a daughter. And so the 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 unseen academy, which deals with the wizards, basically say, no, you can't. She can't be a wizard because she's a girl, even though she has a staff. You know, she has everything, and she is the seventh son, the seventh son, the seventh son's daughter, just because she's a girl. You know, so it it, it fights with the idea of equality, and this is where we first meet um, when it, Granny Weatherwax. And the story goes on from there. It deals with, you know, women's rights. It deals with equality, equal rights for everybody. Uh, and it's a very fascinating, sort of interesting story. And Terry Pratchett does this many, many times. This this comes up a lot uh, in all of the, in all of his stories. Um, the idea of like, it's not there in your face, but if you're smart enough and you're clever enough to notice that there are sort of times where you can just go and go, oh, I see what you did there. I see what you're talking about. I, I, I can see behind the, the read between the lines and I know what political or thing that you're talking about. Um, because these books can be enjoyed as they are, but then you look a bit deeper in them, you kind of see the, the more sort of smarter parts of them. You're like, ah, ha, ha, ah, ha, you know, so I, 
they are enjoyable. The, the books are fantastic, and Terry Pratchett he, he does a fantastic job with his worlds. Um, so I hope I persuaded you there. Um, so we'll go on to the beginner's guide now, and we'll just uh, explain as to where to begin, where to start, and how to enjoy it. But as I say, start from the beginning, my recommendation. But if you want, you can jump anywhere you like, and hopefully from the next segment, from me explaining each series and the beginnings of each series and how many books in the series, you can make your mind up as to where you want to begin. So let's jump right in, shall we? So as I said, there are 41 books in total, um, which I know is incredibly daunting whenever you hear like, oh, there's 41 books in a series. Ah, you know, don't wrong. I, that was the same sort of idea that I had. That was the same sort of scream I had in both internally and externally going like, where do I begin? Where do I start? So the best place, in my, like I said, in my opinion, to start is at the beginning. And luckily enough, the beginning starts with Rincewind. Uh, so the Rincewind... Um, series spans eight books in total. Uh, it starts with The Colour of Magic, which is the first book in that series. And then moving on from there, you have The Light Fantastic, which is the second uh, Discworld book. And then from there, it goes on to The Witches and so on and so forth. Now, like as I mentioned, Rincewind, Rincewind is a wizard of Unseen University, but he, he he's a failed wizard. He never really finished school um, he only really knows one spell. Um, he's incredibly unlucky, and he's just followed by the <laughs> reality of, like I said, bad luck. But it, you could say, well, for him it's bad luck, but for anybody else would it would be called heroism. You know, everywhere he goes, anytime anything good happens in his life, you know, he gets any sort of form of peace, or he gets a chance to be the hero, or to be a king or a anything like that he knows himself and he's very self-aware Rincewind's very self-aware that you know at any moment like as soon as things start getting good it starts getting bad and there are loads of moments where like he's like oh this is great going good goes, oh god i'm enjoying it too much oh no no no, no. and then something bad will happen and he will just poof he will just he'll get teleported somewhere or uh something will happen uh, and a catastrophe will happen and he gets run over or something like that. And it's just always just the fact of ugh, he can't catch a break. And all he really wants to do is n nothing. He wants to relax. He just wants to sit up on a beach somewhere with nothing interesting. Because any because he sees anything interesting is, is bad. Anything that's considered um, fascinating or... Um, courageous or interesting or any sort of form of exploration is just a curse to him he's like oh I don't, no i don't want to do it so inherently he is a coward because he runs away from everything because he just doesn't want because he knows something bad's going to happen either to him or some some situation is going to change uh, the situation is going to oh it, the situation is just going to become a very much like uncontrollable he's going to end up saving the day or he's going to die but he's met like death is a character the whole idea of death, uh, is, is which I will get onto him shortly, but death is the character. Death is a, is a real sort of physical being. The, the Grim Reaper, the best way to explain it. And him and Rincewind have a, quite a rapport. Death doesn't despise Rincewind. I don't, death doesn't really despise anybody. It's just more just the fact of Rincewind get, has met death so many times, and each time death is like, it's not your time. 
you've gotten close to death, like, oh, it's you again. And then Rince Wind's like, oh, hello, you know, I'm back again. And Death's like, look, looks at the watch, looks, looks at, the, at Rince Wind's timeline. It's like, it's not time for you to, to be here yet, but you're here. So do you want to play a game of chess? And Rince Wind's like, yeah, all right, why not, why not? And then eventually something will happen and he'll get pulled out of death and he's back to reality. So he's co- he's constantly been the fact of he dies and he lives and he has bad luck and he just wants to be left alone. But he doesn't. He's the hero, but he doesn't want to be the hero. He's a coward, but he's not allowed to be a coward because every time he runs away, he, fi- he somehow he finds himself running into another adventure or another um way of saving the day so he in the end he just sits still but when he sits still he finds himself being teleported or some something happens or like heroism just finds him so he could be in the middle of nowhere and then something just happens and next thing you know he's surrounded by people wanting you know to help him go on a quest like go on or something like that so he, he could never catch a break so he's in constant sort of I wouldn't say PTSD, but constant sort of like anxiety of like at any moment things like he doesn't want things to get good because he knows if it gets good, bad's going to follow. But he doesn't want anything bad to happen because he knows if anything bad happens, he's going to die again or something bad like that. So he's just that constant perpetual motion of like, I, 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 I can't die, but I don't want to be the hero, but I'm always the hero. This is this is hell. Um, but Rince Wynn, like I, 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 I'm painting him as a very miserable sort of character, but he isn't. He just has misery thrust upon him. He has heroism thrust upon him. He does. He's just fed up. He wants to be left alone. He just wants to be. He like he works at Unseen University, as I, th- if I remember correctly, as a as a trainee librarian. But even being a librarian at uh, the Unseen University is <laughs> difficult. But the thing is about Rincewind, it doesn't just follow Rincewind, it follows the wizards. It follows anytime Rincewind's there, usually the wizards of Unsea University um follow. And I love the wizards of university. They're just hilarious bunch of old men. Um you've got the Chief Wrangler, Wendell Poons, the Bursa. They're all really funny sort of characters. Uh they all sort of get up into things. And the Unsea University, because it's so full of magic and magic is so uncontrollable that there are a lot of things that happen there i think if i remember correctly in uh, the light fantastic um one of the books ends up um getting stolen and it causes a lot of havoc and the, the librarian ends up getting turned into an orangutan uh who's he's very happy to be a orangutan life is a lot more simpler being an orangutan and uh, I, he's one of my the librarians are my favorite characters. I'm a big fan of orangutans anyway. They're one of my favorite animals. Um, but the librarian, he's a fascinating sort of character. He doesn't. He just says the word ook, ook, ook. That's how he talks. But he likes his life. He's he he, he didn't like his life as a human. He finds life as a librarian, as a, an orangutan, should I say, very much simpler. And he protects the books of the Unseen University with his life. And he enjoys, uh, he enjoys it. He likes it. And all the other characters, you have all the, other, you have they, they go on adventures trying to, um, either sometimes trying to find Wincewind, or they have moments of of like, uh, how can I explain it? Moments of, I want to say, I want extraordinary daftness. You know, they just do some daft things they're meant to be very intelligent men but they are also sometimes very d- 
dumb because they'd see things in the terms of magic, not in terms of realisticness. So at times they become very, so very, very silly. But that's why I enjoy about the, the the wizards is that they are a very silly bunch. You know, they're very a lot of old men, a lot of old sort of conglomerate of men that are just. Some of them are very long in the tooth, very much close to the grave. Um, and some of them are just very silly, but again, they're wizards and they have a lot of power and it's very, very, very crazy. And Rincewind is, is stuck in the middle of this, of being a wizard, but being a failed wizard and not being good at magic, but somehow still be able to do huge feats of magic. And they all kind of just look at Rincewind, oh, it's, it's him. Why is it always him? <laughs> and then Rincewind's like, I've been asking myself that question my whole life. Why is it always me? Don't, don't worry about it. I wish it wasn't me. I wish it was somebody else. Um, so they always pick on Rincewind and they always send him off to do things that he doesn't want to do. Um, but again, it's just the enjoyment of the character. One thing that you will find with, with Rincewind and one thing you'll find with the wizards is enjoyment. You'll find laughter. You'll find laughter with all the characters. But if you want the most laughs, if you want the most giggles, um, generally just do, you can stick with the Rincewind series. As I mentioned, there's eight books in the series completely. Uh, it starts with the Cull of Magic, and then you can just work your way from there. Um, they are a very, incredibly enjoyable bunch. They're just funny, and you will fall in love with all of them. Um, you'll definitely fall in love with the librarian. Uh, generally, the librarian, you meet him in the second book, the second Rincewind book, and actually the second book in the Discworld, and he will just blow you away completely. Absolutely. So that's Rincewind. That's that series. So on to the next series. So next we have The Witches. Now, The Witches series uh, has six books uh, in it, and it begins with Equal Rights. Now, I mentioned the uh, Equal Rights um, prior, and I mentioned that it deals with equality and it deals with women being given the same opportunity as the, as the men do and equality and the, the rights that everybody should be allowed, you know, that, you know, she was born the seventh son, the seventh son, seventh son's daughter, just because she's a girl, she still sort of has the staff, has the power, has the ability, should still be allowed to, you know, learn to magic, learn wizardry. Um, but on the way, we meet Granny Weatherwax, which is one of the main characters in the Witches um, series. You've got Granny Weatherwax, Nanny Og, and oh, I feel bad now because I, I forgot the other the other the other, the other lady's name. Ah, oh, that's really going to bother me. One second, that's it. I remember uh, Magrat Garlic, um, which make their witches coven. Uh, in Equal Rights, you don't really meet the other two. Um, yet uh, you meet just with Granny Weatherwax, and she is incredible. You know, she's a she's an old lady, but she's powerful. Nobody messes that. Uh, the book is set in Lankra, um, which is a city. Well, no, it was a city, town, residence, country part of uh, the Disc World near the Ankh-Morpork, which is the city centre um, of the hub world of Disc World, and the Witches series. How can I best explain it? The Witches series kind of deal with a lot of Shakespearean sort of uh, fairy tale sort of sort of lot um, ideas. The whole idea of the Witches Coven and the Witches is kind of based off the idea of Shakespeare's the Witches in Shakespeare. Um, so you've got Granny Weatherwax, which is the leader, um, which Esme Esme Weatherwax. Uh, she is the head of the Witches Coven, and she's not evil. 
She's not mean. She's just honest. She's just straightforward. And a lot, you know, if people don't like it, they don't like it. That's just the way she is. You've got Giffa Og, who she is uh, a lovely old lady. Uh, she's again extremely powerful, but she is a lovely old lady. She's nice. She's kind. She'll do anything for for anybody. Um, but if you cross her, she will, you know, she will curse you, you know, very much so. But she is a very sort of naughty, horny, uh, filthy old lady at the same time. So, she, you know, there are a lot of moments where Esme has to step in and be like, Githa, <laughs> like, stop that. And she's like, sorry, Esme, <laughs> you know. Um, and then you've got uh, Margaret Garlic, who she's very young. She She's new to the coven, new to the arts of uh, witchery. And she's very sort of, not lopsy daisy, but very, very free spirited, very sort of hippie, sort of dippy, very sort of young. And you have you you have times where Esme basically tries McGrath, sort of be like, you know, this is not how a witch, a witch sort of behaves. You know, you got to behave like this. And then sort of um, Githa, oh, she's very much like, oh, don't worry about what Esme says. You be whatever witch you want to be. You know. Um, so you've got like granny who's very old-fashioned and the way that things should be and the, the way witches should be and then you've got uh githa who's very sort of laid back she's an old witch she's a very powerful witch but she's very sort of laid back and very sort of you know nice kind you know kind of like your nan you know she's very much like if your nan was 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 a witch very much just like oh you know very nice do you want a cup of tea do you want to want to have a sandwich some some cake you know i'll i'll Oh, you having troubles? Oh, don't worry. I'll be over and I'll see if I can brew up a potion and make you feel better. You know, very nice, very kind. I'm not saying Esme's evil, but again, she's just very honest, very forward, very much like this is the way it should be. This is how witch, wizard, witches and wizards are and this is how the world is and people don't like it and people just don't like that I'm honest and pull forward. And obviously, like I said, Magrat is very much sort of the new the new generation of, of witch shall we say you know very free spink very, very spinking very free free speaking and very open and, and again very open and honest but very sort of um sort of nuance new age you know so uh, the witches are fun the witches are interesting it they follow again with a very shakespearean sort of thing a lot of their stories deal with fairy tales um for example um one of their one of the stories which was um called macabre i think it's called macabre oh no that <laughs> get my words out right come on Luke. get it right it's not macabre yeah get my words out it's masquerade uh one of the books which that is the the fifth book in the witches series it, it deals with the phantom of the opera but with a twist you know uh, with the discord twist on it and go into the opera where you have um carpe jugulum which which is where the witches uh, deal with uh vampires and the idea of how vampires work and that sort of thing. Um, so the witches series deal with fairy tales. So if you want a Shakespearean sort of fairy tale, but with a Discworld twist, uh, the witches where you want to go. Like I said, as you would with the um, with Winswind, and as you would with the wizards, you'll enjoy your time with the fairy tales uh, and the twist on them with the witches. Like I said. They're very funny, very interesting. Uh, Esme Weatherwax will have you thinking. Giffa Og will have you laughing. Um, and Maggot Garlic will have you sort of... Uh, she Maggot Garlic kind of grounds it, you know, in the best way I can explain it. She kind of grounds the idea of, like, you've got, like I said, Esme, who's very sort of old-fashioned. Giffa, who likes to joke and 
not take things seriously, but also, you know, if need be, she will be sort of the big powerful wizard, uh, witch that she needs to be. Whereas Magrat kind of be like oh, very much of grounded, very keeping it very sort of disworldly. Not not realistic, but sort of realistic in the terms of the disworld of asking questions and trying to understand as as to why this is or why that is or why why are we doing this. And that's when you know the jokes. The jokes come from Githa, and then sort of you always have Esme being, "Oh, Githa, don't don't do that. Don't say that. That's silly. That's or that's that's uh, that's dirty." And then so we always get Githa being like, "Sorry, Esme," you know. But she is a very naughty, horny um, old lady. But I love her. You know, she makes me smile whenever sort of Githa is on. Um, but the witches are fun. You'll enjoy the witches. So if you ever wanted something that was fanciful as well as fairy tales, but with a Discworld twist. That's the best place to begin is with the witches. Um, so, yeah, that's the, that's the way to begin. So I don't want to repeat myself. I just want to make sure before we move on, just remember it starts with equal rights. That is rights. That is spelled R-I-T-E-S. And there's six books in the series. And, yeah, moving on to the next one. Right, the next one uh, is a character that I I hold very dear, and is a character that well they all, they all mean a lot to me, but this character means a lot in a, in a very weird sort of way, and I'll try my best to explain it. Um, it's the character of Death, as I mentioned, Death is is he's ever present, and one of the things that I forgot to mention with the Discworld is that other characters from other series will, like I said, because it's one sort of continuous live and breathing world. There will be moments where the wizards will appear in the witches' books, for example, or that um, the witches will appear in like the industrial revolution sort of books, which I will read get on uh, later. Um, but characters always from other books will appear in others. You know, uh, for example, there's a dog that's called um, called Gaspode. Uh, you first meet him in the industrial revolution books. Um, in Moving Pictures, which is the first book in there. Um, but he appears all the time uh, in a lot of all the other books. He mainly sort of appears in the Guards of Armor book, Ankhmor book series. Uh, he appears there and he helps out the City Watch uh, because he, he's a talking dog, uh, because he's been around magic so much. It's kind of done stuff to him, so now he can talk and he can't shut up. Um, but again, that's one of the characters that is sort of appears all the time and that's the thing about death is as in the real world death is ever present people die every day you know and the grim reaper death whatever you want to call him is ever present in the dis world he's always there he's always around and so there'll be moments in books where you have a character and then they will die and then the character will sort of get up and be like oh where am i and then you'll have death being like hello i'm over here and then like they will turn around and he's like Awfully nice wherever we're having. And they'll be like, oh, well, where am I? What, what's happened? Uh, I, I feel weird. And then Death will be like, ah, well, you see, you, you died. But not to worry. If you follow me, I could help you out. You know, Death is, is, is ever present. He's always there. But Death, he's not, he's not something that's feared in the Discworld. Like, nobody wants to die. But it, it's that sort of thing of when you do die, you meet Death. And, you know, he, he's, he's quite nice. He's quite... Um, thoughtful and like following with the death series you 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 tend you already know him 
one of the things I love about De- one of the reasons why I I know I recommend to read the disc world in chronological order is because like I said you get these characters that pop up here and there you can still enjoy them you know on their own never seen them in other in other series never really getting a full introduction to them but because death appears all the time he's always there you kind of see the evolution of death and especially in in, in his own series um which begins with mort and there are five books in his series um you kind of see how death sort of i've been doing this for a long time i don't really want to be deaf anymore you know and in in mort in his in the first book in the death series he hires an apprentice little mort uh, who um goes gets to the recruitment fair late and that nobody wants nobody's really left and nobody wants to hire him as an apprentice and then death sort of turns up and he's like ah i see uh there's just you left is there and then sort of mort being like Yes, you know it's it. I'm that's I'm I'm all that's left. You know nobody else wanted me. And he goes, he goes. You're awfully tall. And Mort say, I I am. So yes, he goes. Oh, you will do. <laughs> and then Mort sort of goes off with Death into. I'm not be sure. A little Death's cottage really. Death has his his own little microverse that he that he lives in, which is like free from time. And sort of Death sort of shows him around tells him about you know the idea of what he does and what what Mort will be doing so Mort then takes over as death and he's not very good at it he doesn't know how to do it and sort of death leaves and goes off and gets drunk well and sort of floats around a bit and you follow death as he basically tries to figure out who he is what he is uh why why he's there and how he has no friends and that sort of thing why Mort basically screws up killing people how people are meant to die but he doesn't do it properly or he doesn't like the idea of taking people's lives even though they they've already they're already dead you know and he he sort of gives them choices and you're not really meant to give them choices of us like well you know you you've died you can sort of play me at chess or play me at a game to to come back but most people don't 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 live the only people that have been able to do that well I'm not going to mention who because that might be a spoiler but you know there are sort of moments where death sort of you know people try to challenge death one of my favorite sort of death stories is actually a short story where death goes up against a philosopher and the guy tries to philosophize the idea of death and life and consciousness and you know death he's heard this comp he's, he's eternity he's, he's incredibly old he's old as the universe he's heard this conversation he's had this conversation many many times but still he sits and he listens and he humors um humans the the philosopher and in the end the philosopher basically goes it doesn't matter what i say i'm still dead isn't it and death is like yes basically you know but you know you gave it a good try i'll give you that you know the reason i'm doing my voice because that's basically how death is whenever you 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 listen to death during the audio books the audio adventures he's always hello it's me very deep sort of voice um but like Death is a very fantastic character, and Death is not. Death is seen as an old friend, you know. Death is ever present in the Discworld. They know the Death's existence. Whenever they see Death, it's always the worry of they they re- they know who the guy is. You can see his face, but you always get a chill. Always that moment of just like I shouldn't be seeing what I'm seeing, and a lot of people question. And whenever Death appears, people go, oh, "Is is it me? Is it my time?" And he goes, "No, it's not you yet, but I will be seeing you soon." 
<laughs> it's just those moments of where you get the characters sort of sort of crap themselves of like, oh god, how soon? And he's just, and definitely just like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> eventually. But I'm not here for you. I'm here for him over there. Um, but the Death is just a fantastic sort of character. Very, very interesting. You find a lot more about Death and the idea of what it is to be Deaf and the idea of life. And it asks the deeper questions of consciousness and what it means to be alive and how to enjoy life and to cherish it. Um, one of the things about Death that I love about the Death series is that we get to meet one of my favorite little characters, which is the Death of Rats. Um, and I won't really go into it, but basically um, the death of rats appears once day. And when I say the death of rats, I mean, generally, it's a it's a it's a rat skeleton. So he's only tiny. And I would say if you had a desk near you or some sort of uh, surface, if you just put raise your hand above it at a certain height that you would expect a rat to be, it's about that big. He's only tiny. Um, and he deals with the, rat, the death of rats. Whenever rats die, he will he will appear. And he'll be like, squeak, 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 squeak. He, he talks and squeaks. And sometimes he will sort of partner up with death himself. And they will go on adventures. Or uh, death will be, like, for example, there was one moment in one of, like, in Small Gods, for example, uh, one of my favorite books, where there's a war going on. And the city's burning. People are being killed. And there's this, it cuts, it cuts off to what's going, it's kind of like a movie. You have these characters and they have this little moment where they go off and they have a revelation and the story carries on. And there'll be a little scene where the story pans, pans to one side. And then you have this moment where you've got death and you've got, he's like standing at the top of these steps and he's just got all these people that have died and he'll be like, name, how'd you die? Okay, go over here. And then you have at the set, right next to this line of people that have died these soldiers and civilians that have died in this fighting or been burnt to death. Uh, then you've got right next to it, you've got the death of rats. He's there on the steps and on these steps is a queue of dead rats. And each time he's like, squeak, 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 squeak. And they appear all the time. Whenever throughout the death world, death will appear whenever somebody's died. And they'll be like, how, how did I die? And he'll be like, Oh, you look all right. Not so bad. I think it was quick. Uh, it was with an arrow, but it, yeah, don't worry about it. You look fine. And then because very because even though he has that voice, it's very calm. And people are like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, follow me. <laughs> you know, so whenever he appears, it's always a joy whenever death appears, especially when he appears with a character that he doesn't he doesn't really enjoy. Whether like he meets uh, Esme Weatherwax, one of the witches, or when he meets uh, Rincewind, it's one of those things like, oh, it's you. <laughs> but he's a very sort of happy, cheerful sort of person. But somebody that is the the epitome of death, of of the end, the Grim Reaper. He's a very happy, cheerful sort of person. He really sort of makes me smile. So if you ever want deeper meanings, deeper questions of what it's life, but you also want to giggle at the same time, you know, read the diff, the Death series. But you read any series that I that I've pre previously mentioned, or I am going on to mention. Death appears. Death, he, he's ever present. You know, death always happens. Death is always around. So it's the sort of thing of like you can read the death series and get a better understanding of him, or you can just read other series. But you'll always meet death. Death is always there. You'll meet him as a friend or as an old coat. It will feel warm and comfortable whenever you meet him. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And like the, the it's 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 very lovely. And it's one of the things like you never thought you'd ever say that about death. But for me personally. It's not. It'd be nice to think that when I do die, that when my time has come, 
that I will get to meet the Discworld version of Death and kind of meet him as an old friend and then sort of go off in, in arm in arm and, you know, into the next life, whatever that may be. You know, that would be, that'd be nice. Maybe not. I mean, you know, I don't know. I haven't died yet. I can't say if, if the Grim Reaper or, uh, or anything like that happens, but who's to say, who's, who's to know, but it would be nice to, to think that, you know, that could be something that happens, but that's just me being me. But anyway, so that's the, the death series. As I said, you start with Mort, which is the first book and there's five books in that series. Um, so it should keep you busy. So onto the, the next one, shall we? Right, so next on the list is City Watch. Uh, in the City Watch, there are eight books in the series. It starts with Guards, Guards. And I've mentioned the City Watch before. I've been Mempel. Uh, Mempel? What, the, what is Mempel? <laughs> I mentioned um, uh, Captain Vimes, Corporal Carrot, um, Nobby Nobs, uh, Anguwa, Detritus, Cheery. Uh, the Guard series of Ankh Morpork are some an incredible collective bunch. Like the idea of diversity exists wholeheartedly with the City Watch, um, because you have where it, it begins with guards, guards, guards. Where it was just four of them, where it was just four guards. You know, you had Kara, Vimes, um, uh, Nobs, and uh, I, I'm forgetting his name now. Starts with a C. I can't remember. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Basically, there was four of them, and they they were sort of dealing with their problems. And as you go on, as the characters evolve, as I mentioned prior, these books evolve, these characters evolve, and the evolution is is the most evident and the most prevalent in this series. Because in this series, it goes from four of them, and then onto the next book, uh, it basically they they explain how how well they did with, with the events of the first book in Guards, Guards and dealing with dragons and, and, and the like, that um, they've been given the budget to expand and not just expand, but hire men, hire women, hire trolls, hire uh, dwarves. And again, this is one of those moments again where sort of Terry Pratchett goes off and he sort of talks about the, the, the equal rights and the politicalness of it and the idea that Trolls and dwarfs don't like each other. They don't get on with each other. But when you're in the watch, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are, whether what race or gender or sexuality you are, you belong. Once you're in the watch, you are brothers, you are sisters. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who you were before. Once you've joined the watch, that is what you are. You are a watchman and you look after other watchmen. It doesn't matter who they are, or what they are. And it's very beautiful. It's very lovely. Um, and this was back during like the 80s and 90s. This was, you know, back with these sort of things that Tay Pratchett was throwing around. These sort of things that, that were talk that talk about in the Discworld series, especially in in the Guard series, weren't publicly and widely recognised and talked about until quite recently. In you know this decade or probably the decade before. Um, it's very lovely. You 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 get Cheery. Uh, Cheery is a dwarf, um, but Cheery is a woman. And she likes to wear dresses and she likes to wear sort of high heels and lipstick. And even though f female dwarfs, they still have beards. She likes to kind of plait her beard and put like uh, flowers in it and straighten it, make it look nice. And, you know, you have like Nobby Nobs who likes to dress up as a woman because uh, he 
the whole idea he's meant to be wearing it to go undercover, but he likes to wear it because it makes him sort of feel good and makes him feel confident. It just and you know it's more comfortable than wearing armor, even though he's wearing armor on top of the dress. He just likes to sort of the idea of well, I like to dress up as a woman, but I like to wear protection as well, you know. And so you get the the, the idea of that, and then you have Angua, who is a werewolf, you know, but she perfectly, you know, she fits into it, so she's. She gets accepted, and you have Corporal Carrot, who is a human, but he was raised by dwarfs, and he he classes himself as dwarfs. And dwarfs, even though he is like six foot tall, still class him as a dwarf. And they just, whenever anybody says it, goes, "Yeah, he's just a very tall, tall dwarf." He's still a dwarf because he was raised by dwarfs. He's done all the rituals. He is a dwarf, even though people he is six foot tall and a human. You know what I mean? And you have Detritus, who is a troll. You know, who uh, is a really big sort of big bloke, a big I don't want to I don't want to use the word monster, but he is you know, very big, what you imagine a troll to be. But he's very much uh, respected uh, in the disc, not in uh, not just in Mar- uh, Morpork, but in the uh, watch itself. And you get loads. There's loads more characters. The watch is full of different sort of characters, you know, different genders, different sexualities, different um sort of uh, species you know from dwarf to troll to werewolf to um zombies they've even got zombies in them like that's one of the things i haven't mentioned about zombies they use zombies because zombies can't die so zombies are great because they never sleep they're good for the night what to being on the night doing the patrols of the streets at night um and it's not just that one of the things that i love about the the guard series is that the guard series not just follows this equalityness and the the differences between each sort of person and the respect and love that when you're in the watch you are a watchman and that's that's it that's as far as it goes you know um there's no racism or anything like that but you also get to see and experience arc more pork more you get to learn about the 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 patrician and that you get to learn more about the governance how how it's governed and how that Mark Morpork had a king, but you know, dethroned their king, and that Art Morpork is basically run by the guild. So you've got the thieves' guild, you've got the bakers' guild, you've got the guild of uh, inventing, you've got the wizards' guild, you've got the um, the oh, there, there's loads of guilds. Basically, it's like again, it's like the like the gods. If there's enough people that follow it, there is a guild for it, and the idea that you know you've got the the guards' guild that patrolled the streets during the day, during the night. And, you know, they all understand how it works. So basically, if you want to be a thief, you have to have a permit. If you don't have a permit, then you can't thief. But that permit will only allow you to thief from this time of day to that time of day, you know. And basically, uh, if you rob somebody, you have to first show proof. So like, this is a mugging. And the person goes, I want proof first. If you can't have proof, that person isn't then allowed to either run away or attack you. You know, so if you don't have proof that you that you are allowed to mug on this street, and it's the idea of like, well, they had proof and they have documents saying they're allowed to thief and they're allowed to rob or mug on this side of the street. You should have known not to go down that street at that certain time because that person would have been there. You know what I mean? So technically, it's your own fault. So it's very weird, but you you think a system like that wouldn't work, but it works fantastically. The governance behind it works because they, they have every guild has an understanding of like this is our area, that's our area. The people that are not part of that just live there understand, and that the city watch have full full reign. But even they know of of like how the guilds work and the guilds respect them and 
basically they all stay stay out of each other's way. And that's the thing about the the the, the guilds and about the guards is that especially the book I'm reading, listen to, uh, listen to now, which is uh, one of the guards' books, which is the fifth uh, fifth elephant. Uh, it deals with again with equality and diversity and the idea that you are whoever you whoever you are you can be whoever you are um it doesn't matter who you are you won't be judged because when you're part of the watch you know you are the watch now that is who you are it doesn't matter who you were before or who how you dress or how you decide to look as long as you're happy as long as basically as vibes would put it i don't care who or what you are as long as you just do the job as long as you do the job i don't care how you dress or how you look just be a good watchman that's it you know be a good guard once a guard always a guard um so i i highly recommend the guard series for anybody who just wants to have that sort of freeing sort of moment to have a laugh have a giggle but also to the inclusiveness just to feel that no matter who you are what you are what you believe your gender your your sex your um how you want to dress how you want to pronounce uh, your your um however the pronouns or how you want to whatever makes you feel comfortable if you want to feel welcome let's read the guard series that's the best way i can explain it the guard series will make you feel welcome that's the best way i can explain it you just feel like you're at home and it's lovely it's beautiful so just to recap before i move on there are eight books in the series you want to start with guards guards uh guards guards is it's very much loved it's it's one of those that whenever you ask anybody you know What's one of your favourite books in the Discworld series? Guards, Guards is, is usually very high up, if not at the top, um, because it's just funny. It's silly. It deals with dragons. You know, you, you, it deals with magic. Again, the wizards from the Unseen University pop up every now and then. The, the librarian pops up and becomes a deputy. Um, it's really funny, really silly, and uh, you think you just enjoy yourself. And if you just want to feel welcome, the Guards is where you want to be. So that's the Guards. Um, moving on to the last two. So the next one is The Industrial Revolution. As I mentioned, uh, this one will probably be, be quite short. Uh, the Industrial Revolution follows the evolution of the Discworld. As I mentioned, if you read the books in chronological order, you, you don't just see the characters evolving and changing, but you see the Discworld changing and evolving. As I mentioned, where I am now with the fifth ele elephant, they've gotten to the point now where they have speed cameras. Now, technically, it's not a camera camera. It's still an imp, you know, that paints pictures of speeding carts you know but it's still technology it's still sort of one step in ahead of getting to the point of you know um technology that we kind of know it and one of the one of the first books in this series um moving pictures deals with cinema and uh, it, it's also you know the book is also a commentary on stardom and the whole idea of being a celebrity and the movies and how the movie business works and stuff like that. But, you know, also, you know, it's it's talking about the sort of evolution of movies, where movies began, how movies were shot and the idea of using cameras and how they shoot cameras. Again, how they use cameras is they get an imp, again, an imp inside of a, a camera uh, to quickly paint uh, the the scenes as they're going on. So the best way to explain it is like a, a small imp just got loads of pieces of paper in front of a pen and just rapidly going, painting, 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 another piece of paper, painting, painting, another piece of paper. And then you put those pieces of paper in order as they are shown 
and then you run them really quickly um, through a light. Through a, they use like a magic sort of tool, so it's still sort of magical as well with magic with technology. You run through a tool, and as moving pictures were, and as sort of cinema as we know it, you know, you take loads of scenes, kind of like stop motion, and you put them all together in in one sort of quick movement. And even though it's pictures, it's still a moving picture. And you get the idea of it, the idea of the Industrial Revolution. Um, I've only really read one Industrial Revolution book. I'm not really that far because, like I said, they're few and far between. The next Industrial Revolution book is actually the next book that I'm going to read after The Fifth Elephant, which is called Truth. And the idea behind Truth is journalism, how basically the, the main character... I haven't read it yet, so I don't really know the full story. I've only read the blurb. But the main character and the idea behind it is that the main character wants to tell the truth, wants to tell the news as it is, as it was. Um, But people want him to not write that because, you know, that makes that paints him in a bad image. That makes them look bad or makes the guild look bad or makes um, certain things look bad. So he has to kind of deal with the fact that I want to sort of write the truth, but I'm not being allowed to write the truth because people don't want me to. So I, like I said, I haven't read it, so I don't fully know, but that's the next one. In it. So they are very sporadic. They appear here every now and there. There are um, six books in the series. Uh, I've only read one, but I enjoy it. Like I said, if you want to see the evolution of the Discworld and you want to see them evolve quickly, instead of, like again, going through them chronologically and see the world slowly sort of evolve as views and opinions change, so do the people, so do the technology. If you just want to jumpstart, you want to sort of be like, I want to see the world advance quicker, then, you know, just go with the Industrial Revolution. Like I said, I haven't read many of them. I've only read one book in the series, but I enjoyed it for what it for what it is and what it does. And, you know, I'm a big movie buff, so I love movies. So having the idea of the Discworld spin of how movies started and how movies were made and the whole idea of stardom and how some people take it too far and think they're better than everybody else because they're in a film and all this jazz. Because you do get some celebrities like that. You know, some celebrities of us like, oh, you know, I'm the biggest and best because I was in X, Y and Z films and I've got so much money because I am the best in the world and blah, 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 blah. You know, or you do get some actors that are very humble of like, yes, I act, but it's just a job. You know, it's it's not something that, you know, defines me as me. I'm still me. I just get a privilege of my job is being able to do what I love, you know. So you do get the people that are humble and you get do you do get those that are very much big headed. Um so yeah, so the Industrial Revolution, it's fascinating, it's really interesting if you want to see the evolution of the Discworld as it changes, going from a very medieval times to a very industrial sort of um best way to explain it, the old sort of the British Rev the British Industrial Revolution that we had here in England. Best way to uh, put it into perspective. So yeah, check it out if, if that's something that interests you. And finally, just before we end, um, this one's going to be another short one uh, because I will I will say right now I haven't started this series at all. Um, I haven't really begun. I don't know where, uh, what to say about it, much about it. So it's going to be a very short one. But uh, the last and final series to talk about is the Tiffany Aching series. Um, it was one of the last sort of few books that um, Terry Pratchett wrote before he passed away. Um, the books, the, the series starts with the We Free Men. Uh, there's five books in the series. Um, I think the last book is called The Shepherd's Crow. Um, 
I haven't read any of the Tiffany Aiken books. I haven't got to them yet because, as I said, I'm reading chronologically. I'm still 25 books in, and there's still quite a way to go before I get to um, the final sort of set of books. Um, so I don't really know much about them, so I can't really talk much about them. But they talk about the We Free, we free Folk, um, which uh, you get a glimpse at at the final book in the in, uh, in the Witches series. Uh, the We Free Folk are kind of like Smurfs. Uh, they're little blue men. Uh, tiny little blue um, men, but they're they they're not Smurfs. They're not they're not kind. Well, they are friendly, but they're not friendly. They're very tribal tribesmen. They um, and they live in sort of uh, in I think they live in Uber Uber world, which is where like a lot of the uh, werewolves and um, vampires and that sort of live. They kind of live in the fields around about that. If I if I'm remembering correctly from Carpe Jugulum. Which is where I think you first meet the We Free We. Yeah, I always get tongue tied when I explain it. the We Free Folk. Um, but yeah, I don't know much about Tiffany Aiking herself. I know she is a witch in training. That's as far as I know. I do look forward to starting that series. Um, so I can't really recommend it enough. The reason, the only reason I really mention it here is just to kind of give you another sort of example of another series. Uh, to try out. I've been told from friends that have read all of uh, Terry Pratchett's work um, that it is a good series, that it is enjoyable, um, and that it deals with witches and magic. And I really enjoy the witches, and again, I, I enjoy magic, and I enjoy the wee free the wee free folk. Uh, still getting tongue tied on that one. I think I'll always get tongue tied on that. Um, so yeah, so that's another option. Again, not much I can say about because I haven't started it. Um, but again, I've heard good things. So that, that could be from where you begin. But as I would always say, I would always recommend to start from the beginning anyway and work your way up. Because, you know, it's more fun that way. But it's always up to, to you folks. So that's about it, really. Uh, Tiffany Aiken, We Free Men, uh, five books in the series. And uh, yeah, so on to the end, shall we? So we've finally reached the end. Um, I hope that I have not confused you anymore, that I'm able to give you a good idea of where to begin with each um, book. If you need, then no, by all means, you know, go back and sort of check out each sort of section as they are. Um, I will run them down now just to kind of give you uh, things in case you don't want to go back. So Rincewind, uh, there are eight books in the series. You start with The Colour of Magic. You've got The Witches. There are six books in that series, and it starts with Equal Rights. You've got the Death series. That is five books in that series, and it starts with Mort, uh, M-O-R-T, as in Mortimer, uh, but shorter. Um, you've got the City Watch. Um, that has eight books in that series, and that starts with Guards, Guards. Then you've got the Industrial Revolution. There are six books in that series, and that starts with Moving Pictures. And then finally, you've got the Tiffany Aching uh, series, and that is five books and starts with The We Free Men. So hopefully that is sort of kind of give you a good way to start with each series. Hopefully I've, I've explained them be uh, as well as I can to kind of give you an idea of where to begin, where to start, um, and which one, which one takes your fancy. As I, as I will reiterate and repeat myself, I still recommend that you start from the very beginning and work your way up chronologically, uh, just because, you know, it's easier, more seamless. Even though the books are written in such a way that 
you know, you you never feel like you're missing out. You never feel like you need to read certain books in order to understand what's going on. I still obviously recommend to read them again, just so the idea of just to kind of see the evolution, to kind of see the the way I see it. It's not just the evolution of the disc world or any of the characters, but it's evolution of Terry Pratchett's writing. As he wrote more books, you can see that he got more confident because he had he, he grew more a better understanding of the world that he was painting. You know, not saying that his work is bad by all means. That's blasphemous. I would never say that because it's not true. But what I'm saying is the fact of when you ever when you start creating a world, no matter how much planning you put into that said world that you want to sort of create, you've still got to begin. You've still got to put pen to paper and start. You know. And you've just got to start writing. And even with, like, for example, Harry Potter and all like Narnia, I'm sure whenever those authors came along and was writing their world, that they didn't have all the ideas and everything, you know, all in one. Sort of the world evolved as as they evolved, as their writing got better, as they got more older and wiser. You know, they grew a better understanding of themselves and the world around them. That so did their characters. And I feel like that happened with Terry Pratchett was the fact of, I don't know this for sure. This is me just speculating on from what I've taken from his work is that as he grew older and grew more wiser uh, and grew more confident, not just within himself and his writing, but also his ability to uh, understand the Discworld and its characters, that the world changed, the world got better, you know, and just you see that a lot more evidently if you follow the books in publication, in, in chronologically publication order. But again, you don't have to. Like I said, that's just how the Discworld's written, that you can jump in anywhere. And so I understand what everybody was saying to me all those years. And it's like, oh, just jump in anywhere. And me, well, rightfully so, being, you know, peed off, being like, well, I, I want to start from the beginning. So I understand now where they were saying, no, there's no real beginning. You can begin anywhere. So I get that now. I understand that now. But I hope that I've, given you folks listening a good idea of where to begin and what the series that are available to you and basically what series you know well not that you should choose but for me explaining each series which one ever takes your fancy and then jumping from there and just enjoy yourself that's the whole point of the Discworld is just to enjoy yourself um i know i enjoy myself and i know i, I know when the day comes i finally finish the Discworld that i i will be emotional and that I probably will cry or weep. Um, because like I said, this world means a lot to me. And just knowing the fact of that Terry Pratchett is no longer with us, that I never got to meet him, and that I will never get to experience... Once I finish this world, I finish this world. That's it. There will never be another book. There will never be another sort of story. That's kind of sad to me. You know, I know that I, that those worlds are always there for me to revisit in, in the books. But there are times where I sit there and think, I wonder what Rincewind's doing now. I wonder where, because I like to still think, because this world's so real to me. This world is so ever-present in in my literature world, in my literature life, that there are times where I think of, what's this character doing? Where is that character now? You know, it'd just be, it'd be nice to have the idea of, to go back into the disc world, into a new story, whether it be a big one or a short one, just to go into it and just to see what the world looks like now. You know, how it's changed and where where it's evolved and gone to. Um, sadly, we'll probably never get that, you know, because Terry Pratchett's um, 
if I remember correctly, when Terry Pratchett passed away, um, his his memory drives on his computer were on, and a couple of the things that he had were in a museum. And if I remember correctly, I feel like I'm remembering this correctly, was that after a certain period of his his the memory drives of his work had be had been shown off that they would be destroyed and I think they were set on fire and burned if I remember correctly or maybe I'm remembering that wrong um, I, I think it was in his will that he wanted them destroyed um, uh, sometime after his, 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 his passing which I completely understand I get it you know what I mean yeah, because for example um, for Douglas Adams before he passed away he was in the midst of um, writing a new book that was going to fix the, the issues of the final book that he wrote for the um, Hitchhiker's series. I've read it. I wasn't a big fan of the final book, um, but he was working on an idea to fix it. Sadly, he passed away before he was able to, and that another author came along and took what um, what Douglas had, had done prior and uh, carried it on, carried on the story and completed it. Didn't carry on the series, just finished off the final book. Um, and I've read it, and I I, I I wasn't a big fan. You can kind of feel the fact of where, of of where um, Douglas Adams began, and where Douglas Adams got to, and where the other author picked up. You can just it, you can just feel the drop off. You can feel the point of like, oh, I'm no longer in Douglas Adams' world. I am now in this author's world. I'm not saying the author that carried on was bad. The author did a, a good job, to be honest. You could just tell the difference between different writers, the different feel of it. Right, each writer has a different feel, and Terry Pratchett has a different feel. Has he had his own style, and I just feel like if it's not Pat, if it's not Pratchett doing it, then it's not Pratchett. It's not Pratchett. You know what I mean? If it's not him, then it's not. You know, so I can be understand if it was me. If I had if I had a world that um, I hadn't finished, I don't know if I'd want it destroyed. Maybe want it saved somewhere. But I wouldn't want it finished, and I wouldn't want it continued. If I didn't finish it by the time that I that I was to die, then it won't get finished, you know. Um, I don't know if I want it destroyed, and it's it's a, that's a different question. But I understand where he's coming from. I really do. Um, it is a shame that this world can't continue. It is a shame that there, there's no uh, there's no there's nothing new. Um, but there'll always be the disc world. And like I said, I've still got the enjoyment that I can enjoy the rest of his books, the rest of Discworld, because like I said, I'm only 25 books in, um, so I've still got a bit of, a, quite a way to go before I get to the end. So I can still enjoy them for, for a while. But again, there will come a day when it ends, and it will be very, very sad. Um, but that's, one of, that's, that's just the way it is, you know. There are other things I didn't mention as well with Terry Pratchett. For example, you know, he has written other books like The Carpet People and he wrote a book uh, about, I haven't read these ones, but I've been told they're really good, about trucks and diggers, which I really want to read because they sound so silly, but I just really want to get into those ones as well. Um, but also he wrote really loads of short stories. I've read a few of his short stories um, that kind of, a lot of his short stories pertain to the Discworld and Discworld characters. Um and his, his short stories are really fun. I think twice some of his short stories are, are some of the, the funniest ones. He did one short story about Punch and Judy. Um, again, very silly, um, very on the very uh, well, not on the nose, but very practical, uh, definitely. Um, but that was a uh, 
Guards series. That was a, a Guards of the Watch following on Corporal Carrot and trying to find out. Um, somebody was murdered and it was a case of Punch and Judy, uh, the, the puppet play. And that's all I'm going to say from that. Uh, so just find it. It's free online, I'm sure. And just find it and read it and enjoy it. It's 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 wonderful. It really really is. Um, but yeah, so that that's the disc world. You know, I I have much love for it. I protect it. It's one of those literature worlds I protect wholeheartedly. When anybody says anything bad about it, it's one of those where I don't. I'm not horrible. I'm not mean, of course. But it's one of those where I'm like, just 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 leave it alone. You know, it, it, leave this world alone. You know, I, I I see myself as a protector of of these characters in this world. You know. Um, and I feel like I'm not alone. There are other Discworld fans that are very much the same. Um, that protect any work that Protect Pratchett do, uh, has done. Um, but yeah, the, I hope you know me doing this has really sort of um, widened widened your anticipation to want to read the Discworld. I hope I haven't confused you more. And yeah, I just hope that you just take the plunge. No matter where you begin with, you start like I did chronologically or you jump in anywhere, uh, that you enjoy yourself. And I feel like you will enjoy yourself. You know, this world is incredibly British, incredibly silly, um, full of comedy, full of love, full of passion. The world is beautiful. And it's like I said at the beginning, it's one of those worlds that if I ever had the chance or had the ability to, it's at top of the top of the list of one of the places I'd love to visit and stay for a bit. You know, generally, it is that lovely. Even Art Moorpork, how dangerous and wild that city is. I'd still want to visit it, you know. Uh, it's probably like the only place I'd ever really want to get mugged because I know, I understand the rules of the city and I understand how Art Moorpork Moor works and how the guilds work and it would be my own fault if I got sort of mugged, so... And then think I'd just be it'd be a joy, and you know it's very it's again it sounds weird, it sounds crazy the idea of being a joy being mugged, but when it's the disc world and when you read this series you'll understand what I mean, you know it's one of those silly little things that makes that means no sense to anybody but means perfect sense to me and other disc world fans. So that's it. I'm going to start waffling now. Um, I hope you enjoyed this one. Hope you liked it. Um, I've got a really big idea for my tenth episode next week. Um, the side quest for this week is going to be a short review for the new Pixar movie, um, Turning Red, um, which I've watched it and I'm going to watch it again for a second time either today or tomorrow to get a good grasp of the story. And I, I'm going to give you a short review for that. And uh, yeah, so look forward to that. Look forward to the big surprise next week. It's going to be a fun one as we celebrate the 10th episode. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So as always, Stay sexy, stay active. I love you all. Peace, and thank you for listening to today's Nerdstalgic episode. Bye-bye.